Listening to Omnis Protocol, I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I'm here with my bro, my love, Danny Modesto. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Just fully adjusted back from Euroland, you know, and trying to get back at the rhythm of, of having a regular life again. Yeah, I am not fully adjusted back, but um, you might be able to see because we're on camera at the moment, but uh, on like the... Um, the Monday after, because you you left on Monday. You left like yeah, Monday morning, like the very next morning. Yeah, after I hung out with the rest of the team for a bit, I just did kind of like some touristy stuff, and I ended up getting just like a really generic Copenhagen tourist sweater hoodie, yeah. and I fucking love it. This thing is so comfortable. I this is going to be a hoodie I'm going to have like ten years from now, and it's going to be like falling apart. Northern stuff tends to be made for heavier weather. Uh, they're just geared towards it. And so it's just nice material. Like my nicest gloves I actually have are from Iceland yeah. um, when I was staying over just because it was just way easier um, to get nicer gloves there than it was back in the States. So yeah, I absolutely believe it. So to like kind of just start off the whole WTC discussion, I just want to say like, because I've, I've never been to Denmark before. So I certainly have not been to Copenhagen before. And I just really like Copenhagen as a city. Whenever you travel and like a city kind of hosts you, you always like kind of just appreciate it. Right. But I genuinely like Copenhagen. Like I'm not going to I'm not planning to move out of the U.S., but if suddenly I got like a really good job offer or something in Copenhagen. Yeah, I could live here. Yeah. We walked around for a while. Um, I got a good view of like most of the city and stuff. It was nice. Like it was just good to walk around, hang out places, um, see a bunch of stuff. I think for me, like just seeing a really successful, like socialist city is just like, yeah, this works more. I I think the thing is, is like, I feel like Seattle could be like, because there's little things like they embraced bicycling. Like there's bicycle lanes everywhere. Tons of people bicycling. Everywhere you go, there's literally like hundreds of bicycles. People are bicycling everywhere. And then like, I live really close to Redmond. Um, Listeners, if you're not familiar with the area, Redmond and Redmond's like Microsoft campus, Nintendo campus um, is is Redmond. And they embrace bicycles like reasonably well, probably better than most cities in America. And Copenhagen puts that to shame with how much they they embrace bicycles and such. And um, uh, I mean, I really liked the public transit situation and just like how nice I found everybody everywhere I went and everybody was cool. Um, like I just, uh, I'm a fan. I like the city very well. The only difference is that I only got to spend like a small amount of days there. I got mm. there the Thursday before and I left that That's Monday. True, yeah. <clears throat> so it was only really like the Thursday, Friday to go spend time in the city and everything else was just like in the con hall and then out. Gotcha. Yeah. I probably explored the city like three or four times as much as you did. I put, I spent a lot of time in Copenhagen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we did have a fun time out Thursday night, uh, yeah. <laughs> going out through the city. So that was fun. So I feel like I got to like go around and actually like explore different parts of the city. And it was very enjoyable, but I like to wait to spend more time in a city for making a decision, whether I'm like all in or not. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. You you did you did do a really good job putting up with like super drunk Charles Thursday yeah. night, Friday morning. You know that was probably the most trashed I got the entire time. It's like a ritual, right? The Thursday yeah. before, sleep in Friday, good to go. Yeah. It was it was literally like Friday. I had I don't think outside of the drinks that I had like Friday morning before we came back, I didn't drink until like two AM Saturday morning. <laughs> I, I think I had like two beers, like between like one and three or something. People kept offering to buy me drinks. And then finally I was like, okay, I can't like, they have an IPA on tap over there. This is against my religion to not let someone buy me an IPA, but I barely drink on Friday, but okay. Um, so past the city, what did you think of this? Cause you and I have both been to one other WTC, but we've also been to convention tournament locations, um, you know, we've done the stuff like um, uh, the, the 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 gaming expo that kind of started in the Pacific Northwest. There, there's just been a whole variety of different kinds of tournaments and cons that we've gone to. What did you think overall of this location for something like this? It was probably one of the nicer venues we I've ever been in. Like I've been at Gen Con, right? We did like yeah. Ocean Weekend. We did um, Adepticon. Like in terms of like the actual hotel conventional scenario, it was very easy to get between any of the rooms, getting downstairs. I felt like there was multiple entrances in and out to get to any space. And the floor space was huge. I'm, I don't think I would go so far as to be like, this is the nicest <laughs> venue that I've been in. Because I was like, do I prefer it to the Vegas hotels for LVO? Yes. But is it actually like a nicer location overall than say like LVO or Adepticon? Probably not. But for what it is, it's kind of perfect. You literally walk outside of the airport and you can see the hotel. You you, you walk outside and it's literally there. And so you, you basically just cross a street and you're next to a different hotel and you walk one hotel over and you're there. And so, you know, it's it's five minute walk from the hotel to the airport. Um, and so that right there is just super convenient. And I think if you travel a lot, that may not matter that much to you. You're always ready to like adapt in a new city. But for a lot of people, like you're, you're getting somewhere and you don't know what the Wi-Fi situation is going to be like. You may not have an international phone plan and you're just showing up in a different place. And the fact that you can literally see where you need to go is like a whole, like just initial level of convenience. That's pretty fantastic. And then the actual like space was really good because you're just, you're, you're, you're literally just taking elevators to the bottom conference floor basically. And it's got its kind of own lobby. And then there's just a really big open conference area with really high ceilings, actually, like ridiculously high ceilings. So there's plenty of, they ended up being like really good airflow and such. Um, and with that whole area that we like ate lunch in that was next to the tournament area, it looks like you could host two different 64 person WTC things at the same time, if you wanted in that space. Um, I was going to say the combination of the closest airport and the metro basically being two stops over to like basically center of town yeah. is what puts it into the higher end of convention halls. 
just because convenience factors, a lot of people, when you go to a convention, like you're, you're mostly there for the event. Right. Yeah. Um, and so just ease of use and not having it like, that's one of the main complaints is like having to take, you know, some sort of transit system, paying money, a taxi, you know, Uber, stuff like that. Right. Um, and the cost associated with doing that or traveling around from where we were, it was basically just literally walk out the door, go up a flight of stairs and you're at the Metro two stops in. And that's like most of the main area of the drag you can go through and hang out and walk. So like that, that was super nice, right? Getting back for us afterward was basically just getting back in the Metro, going back down to the hotel. It's so like, it was super nice. It's further than two stops. I think we were just talking so much. I think it's like five or six stops to mm-hmm. be kind of where we were generally going. But you are right that it, it is super convenient because basically what you can do is you can kind of stay in the airport and you cross in this overpass that goes over the street. And then you're just like at the ticket consoles to like buy day passes or like get a card issued for the whole trip where you can just like have a card to like use the transit system on all that stuff is just right there. And then you, you just walk a little bit further and you're at the the Metro, you're at the, the spots where you're going to catch buses and things like that. Um, but if you don't keep walking to the buses, you can literally just like go downstairs and you're on the side of the street as our hotel and you walk a couple minutes over to the hotel. So it was once you got a feel for it, or if you had someone who knew what they were doing, it became incredibly easy to hop on a, like, like at the end of the trip, like afterwards, I bought a 48 hour pass. Um, It probably cost, I don't know, maybe $30 us or something. And I just had a two day pass. It was just like fucking all the public transit, as long as you're in like the general Copenhagen city, including going as far out as uh rock sealed. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but where like the Viking longship museum was, it included taking the train to there. Um, And so it was just the rest of the trip. I was just like, show them the pass. And they're like, cool, you're good. And that was super easy. And so it didn't matter. Train, bus, Metro, it all worked. Um, it is a little confusing, like when you go to Noraport, because uh, there's it's such a hub. Um, but that's where we got the empanadas, and so I kept going back there every once in a while to just like get empanada snacks because they were so bomb. Um, but that's it, it can be a lot where you're figuring out like, okay, I need to catch this train, but there's the S train and the normal train, and so there was just a lot. But now that I've it figured out, like I feel like I could just take people wherever, and I would know exactly what to do kind of going back. Um, but yeah, it made it very easy. I would say I was talking to Gil cause Gil and I went out to dinner Tuesday, uh, before leaving. Um, and so we were talking about it and I was like, I've been very critical of a lot of decisions that have been made along this process, but I will say you found an, a, like a near perfect location. My only quip about the location is that there isn't like if it had a couple of like good walking distance restaurants where we could leave the resort, walk over and like have a decent like sit down meal outside of the resort. That's the only thing I think that would make it better. But we're talking about 100% versus like 96%. Like very good. Um, There's a little like grocery store and McDonald's just down the street. So you could go. We bought bottles of water. I actually lived off of the Red Bulls that Danny left in the room when he left. I did drink all of your Red Bulls after you left. Um, More Red Bull than I think I've had in like the last six years. 
Gives you wings, baby. Yeah. Moving to like some more of the like the WTC specific stuff. Um, so five rounds, three on Saturday, two on Sunday. That seemed like the right direction. Like the only thing is if it ends up going six rounds, right? You do three and three. I like that. What do you do you have any thoughts on like the breakdown of the the games and start time and such like that? No, I like that most because it ended us early enough in the day that we ended up sort of all hanging out and making plans and playing board games or, you know, drinking tonight and stuff. Yes. Um, we will get to talking about the hangouts because, uh, but yeah, so, you know, not a lot to say there. I think that's like the obvious right call. Um, uh, so having played in the event now and we, I've been a little critical of the um, the actual format, but I have said multiple times, and like, you know, maybe when I get there, like, the, like it'll just be like such cool games that maybe it will all be worthwhile. And even though that I'm not, um, even though, and I, I I stress this every time, I actively voted for this format, and I did find out at the event that there were other people in the. In the, so there was this tournament organizer chat, basically, where Gil had his vote on what the format should be. Um, and I voted for kind of the least restricted version. There were other people, but I'll leave it up to them if they want to say what they said. Um, but I heard a rumor going around at the event that the reason that we weren't playing in a more restricted version was like one that restricted crisis cards and restricted tactics cards was because of the Americans. And I, whenever I heard that, I was like, by the Americans, they mean me. <laughs> they mean me. Like, because there was other Americans in the chat, but none of them were nearly as active or had a, a, as deep of thoughts on that. Um, but Danny, how do you feel like, do you like the actual WTC format for list building, list restrictions, factoring in like now that you got to play the games and you got to potentially play against a variety of different lists, what is your over overall feeling about the format? Just being locked into lists like two weeks in advance, like three weeks in advance, right? It's just so hard because I tend to fiddle so much in my list, like going into an event. But I get why you do. It's just, it's like I immediately regret making decisions because I got that last minute. It's like, oh, I made this decision yeah. and I get to mull over it for the next couple of weeks of like, huh. I wish I took Embrace instead. Yeah. <laughs> right. Stuff like that. Um, it gives you a lot more time to just, you know, second guess yourself, I guess. Well, and the fact we had such dramatic changes two weeks before List Lock really kind of maybe ramps that up, or maybe we wouldn't have regretted so many choices if you, you know, we had more time with uh, the rosters. But at the same time, you and I are both list tweakers, right? Like, yeah. We want to we want to play around with the list, and I, I love the the analyzation of games. Right, you just go to the game store and win or lose. You're like, hmm, how do I feel about this crisis card? Hmm, I try. I actually finally played this tactics card, and I think it was a wrong choice. And like, maybe it actually needs to leave the roster. And like, those sort of list dissections are are really interesting and something that keeps me mentally. Um, connected with the game um so i i agree with you there so the so more to my point right it comes down to the fact that it's hard for me to wait to 
like the last minute. I want to wait to the last minute to make decisions. So that being put forward is hard. And then being locked into like the team format and sort of like the negotiation of pieces is just so like multifactorial in terms of like how you make that decision, like who gets what, how do you go through like testing? It? It's like, Oh, why well, do you test it with this? Then you like it. And then you unconvince someone of their choice <laughs> because you think you have a better option into this. And then it's like going through this whole conversation over why you should or shouldn't make a decision. And it's just, it's fun in the sense that it's an interesting and complex problem to solve. It's hard in the sense that it is difficult when you have a bunch of changes and then you have less than two weeks to reorganize your list and around response to those changes and then feel like you don't know what you should be taking. Yeah. And so I'm not going to like throw any team member yeah. under the bus to put like a really like kind of exaggerated anecdote on the situation. We had a team member consider dropping a character literally like an hour before list lock that two other players were actively trying to find a way to fill the gap that they couldn't have that character. And so it's like so there's such subtle things where you're like, this character is really good for me. But then as soon as like you also need to like give your team enough time if like we've we've dedicated that you get character X and then suddenly you're like maybe i don't actually need this character for the way that i'm playing and like what i'm playing most but like you don't want to give up the character too early and then need to ask for it back because at the point that the discussion came up like there wouldn't even be time to figure out who gets that character and in the end i don't think dropping the character was even the right decision which is why we didn't do it but to have it come up last minute can be just like a really frustrating thing where you're like this is a character that three people on the team all could benefit heavily from. Um, and that's uh, it compared to the WTC one where I felt like the f figuring out who was going to do what and how it covered each other's matchups kind of like brought everyone together. And I feel like this can be a little bit more divisive where if you have two people who really want to play something, like, for example, like, you and I always wanted Spider-Woman. It did not matter what we were playing. You and I always wanted Spider-Woman. And, and yeah, we, like, we, uh, you, you ended up playing her, not Alec, right? Correct. You had Spider-Woman? Yeah. Um, but, like, I could see how for maybe people that don't know each other as well, that maybe get, like, assigned by, like, a committee or something, that that could divide people, right? And And I don't think that's that's something that I, I it's not something I, I think the format should do deep down. I, I don't think you want it creating division whenever possible. Yeah. To get into the argument, right? Like the flip side is that I do think some restrictions are good or you end up Absolutely. just seeing sort of repeats through there. So it's just finding some sort of balance between those two poles and how to make that work or make it feel more like you know, changes. Obviously, things would be different. This wouldn't change, right, the week beforehand, but there's no yeah. way to know the future. Um, so that's just an, an interesting consideration, right, whether that's sort of an anomaly or, or things to consider going forward. Obviously, the end result was um, I think the only characters where I played against the same character multiple times was like Toad and Bullseye. It, it yeah. was two threats. Like, I think, I think I played against Toad twice and I think I played against Bullseye twice. Um, but that's just, that's just the nature of two threats. And beyond that, I don't think I played against the same character 
the entire time. Um, and so, like, that's obviously cool. You do, like, variety in in the opponents. Um, yeah, and I definitely... I played five different affiliations, and um, they all had, uh, like, considerably different characters. I will say something that I was very against in the voting process was restricting crisis cards. Because there was a big discussion... We actually like moved away from restricting tactics cards pretty early um, because we were just like, if only one person on the team gets brace, that just that that changes the game that we're playing. That changes the power level of other characters so significantly. It would bring up something real like it would make the pairing process even nuttier when you're like, oh, I'm playing something where I want to play Hulk or Magneto or something every game. And now we have a pairing process where you could get me someone who doesn't have a brace. Yes. And like, what is that? What does that mean? Um, And then like, who can build a list that like, doesn't need brace, right. That has a lot of four physical defense and invul that just is going to like tank the throws better. So there, there's that. But to come back to the crisis cards, I was really adamantly against restricting tech crisis cards because I was like, at the time, I was like, fucking X-Men are already insane. If you restrict the cr- crisis cards and make it so everyone has to have pay to flips, are you just going to make it so every single team has an X-Men player? Is that just the result that, you, that you're that you going to create? Then we had our team and I looked down and we almost had the crisis restrictions without even trying. There was only three crisis cards that we didn't use. And we did not use more than two of any crisis card. So if we literally just fit in those three crisis cards, we would have played by the crisis rules. And it was like scoundrels, mutant madmen, and um, something else. But it was like, it was stuff that we easily could have fit in. Oh, it was alien ship was the other one. I literally could have run any of those three. That's a thing that I think would have actually been interesting. And I kind of regret voting against it. I think that's actually like pretty cool now that I I think about it and how like, because you could have spider portals, like go with just a team that wants to play on D's and you could have mutant madmen on a different team and like meteors for like X-Force or like it doesn't have to be all the flip secures together. They could be spread out or they could be all on one player. Um, what do you, what did you think about the way that the crisis, no restriction on crisis system worked out? Uh, it just meant that there's a lot of gamma and demons everywhere. Oh yeah. Well, I somehow managed to avoid it. Like I never played on gamma or demons the entire time. In the event, there are 62 players who had gamma and 52 who had demons. The highest is Hammers with 68. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot. Uh, so a lot, yeah. Yeah, somehow I did not play on Gamma, Demons, or Hammers the entire time. Which is maybe what, like, I'm the one saying, like, oh, yeah, we could totally, I think I think restricting them might actually be, might actually be cool. Because now that people are getting used to the format, I mean, you could absolutely make a team that's like everything on the team is intrusions, gamma demons. Like you could do that and just be like, we're going to try to trap the control teams out of 
or, you know, how awkward it would be when you're just like, we have made a team of five teams that all are playing spider portals, cosmic invasion and extremists. Like that would actually sound really fun, but um, probably, probably not good for the format. So I think embracing some sort of crisis restriction would actually be cool. Also having listened to the rogue agents episode and realizing that the new timelines format is going to restrict your crisis cards and tactics cards between the three lists is kind of like a, Oh, Holy shit. Um, and so, but they, it is going to have its own restricted list. So it might be like med pack is back and maybe even field dressing is back, but you are only going to be able to use brace field dressing med pack, et cetera, across each of your lists once. So, don't tease me like that. I don't want to go back to the old days and think yeah. about all, all the fun stuff. What I was going to say is I didn't want to leave out uh, Researcher, which was at 64, by the way, uh, of players, yeah. just to make sure what would happen if we actually um, spread out crises and enforced essentially crisis spreads. Uh, I think one, you would just see a better variety versus sort of just down the line, we have to murder or have like play a certain way of games. Because essentially, if teams are forced to spread out which secures, right, and extracts they have, you no longer have a situation where you're all stacked demons or all stacked um, scoundrels, yeah. right? Now, theoretically, we could end up with those exact same numbers, right? Because if you have 32 players yeah. and you played under the the new rules, you could you can still end up with two of multiple on your team. You just have to use all of them once. Correct. And so I think you you absolutely could still just end up with 64 Researcher. And I think you probably can end up with 64 of Gamma and Demons still, right? I forget exactly how many Secures there are. But you do you do end up with some multiples. And so yeah. those exact numbers may not actually change. But I think it's, it is interesting from a list design perspective. Um. I did want to say, like, I agree overall with you, and I will say that um, I think for me and just what I prioritize out of my gaming and what I enjoy, um, I think at least for Marvel Crisis Protocol, the chance of me doing an event where I have to list lock and cannot make changes multiple weeks out from the event, um, and in combination with may not use all of the current stuff, like they did not use the core set, which I think ended up being fine because we had the errata. Uh, it was a really interesting event, but I also just didn't like how much I had to mentally check out of thinking about the core set stuff and that, that it kind of annoys me just as a content creator. And so there is, there is a high probability that I will never sign up for an event with a list lock and the the chance of blocking out current releases is just I just don't think it format long run for me and just how I enjoy the game. Yeah, I like fun new toys. And I like <laughs> playing with stuff that I want to try out or I'm interested in playing. And I realize like since about August, I've roughly been playing like some version of the same list all the way through. Um, it was not a lot, not feeling a lot of variety, and I realized how like restricting it felt. 
not to try other things, I'll try alternate versions, and that's just like the audible out of my version into a different version of the list. Like sometimes I'll take a list, deconstruct it back to like the core for like four or five models, and then reconstruct it again and be like, okay, let's try this like variant here and compare the two and how they do into the same list and see if I, I misunderstood how the list worked fundamentally. You know, it's just um, one of my favorite experiences in Marvel Crisis Protocol is when you get that game and like win or lose. And you just realize that there is a wrong choice in your roster, right? Or like you have that like epiphany moment where you're like, oh man, if I slot in this character here or I change this crisis or I change this crisis card and change this character, suddenly like the magic right there. It's like you see the matrix and like those moments are so good. Um, And I hate when that's just kind of like off the table all of a sudden, because when you go to do a big event, you these things are expensive. You're probably not going to have, like I'm not doing another big event until LVO. And so we're talking months. And I think that's probably relatively normal for a lot of people that you're going to do this. And then you're going to have months before the big event. So anything that you learned in the meantime, you may not really get to put it into effect for a considerable time period. And honestly, the meta may totally change. So you may have this cool epiphany a week before the event and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you may have figured out something really, really clever or really dynamic because now it doesn't matter at all. What you figured out may not even matter by the time you have another big event. Um, But um, with all that said, this whole event reminded me just how much I like WTC as a uh, as a community thing. We're we're probably like the next thing that I want to get into is talking about like the non-game part of the experience. And uh, I will preface this by saying the Friday night and Saturday night hangs were easily my favorite part of the whole thing. And it's made me realize that I would absolutely go back to WTC in a content creator mode or i could see me going and playing shatterpoint just to like be able to go hang out like if they had a shatterpoint thing because i think because shatterpoint doesn't have as much list building constantly like it's it's a little bit more like on the table um and i think the format would do really interesting things for shatterpoint because the tables are so dynamic that choosing tables in shatterpoint might just be the decision that you you always go for um and so the fact that it would restrict list building and Shatterpoint probably wouldn't bother me as much. In theory, it might. <laughs> but um, my my overall point is, is like I'm already thinking about things that I would do at WTC while other people are doing the tournament games. Like I'm, I'm already seriously going, what would my cost be to bring over all of my recording stuff and just tell Gil, give me a table and I'm just going to like record interviews and do podcasting and stuff all throughout the event next year or something like that, because I would still like to go even if the event is not right for me. I still think people should have the opportunity to try the event and go through the format and, you know, form their own opinions and everything. It is, as you said, like the community aspects is very different. And the example I made to a couple of our European friends is that like, in a lot of American events, it's very focused on the events. Like you are, you get there in the morning, you play the events, you play all the way through. You're probably playing to like seven, eight in the evening. We're trying to bang out a bunch of rounds. Then you're making your cuts and the next day is finals. You're probably playing like three or four rounds. 
And that is just at a grueling schedule in terms of like spending time and hanging out. So then you usually have like a dinner maybe with a group of people you've met or, or, or you try to get to bed and then you don't get a lot of the, the social aspects like don't happen as often. Yeah. I also think I would be much more willing to like play games against random people from other countries like Friday night if I'm not worried about my mental bandwidth for the actual tournament. Because um, it would be fun to just like play a random game versus Pat, play a random game versus, you know, Huggy, play a random game against um, Cookie, you know, like just play games with all these sweet people um, that you don't normally have the opportunity to play would be something that I, that I would definitely enjoy. And so one of the things that um, in the moment, because I want to talk about kind of like the after the after event hangs, um, I there was basically three or four nights in a row where I slept less than four hours. Yes, in a that. row. Yeah, it, it it was. There was probably a point that like by going out and doing stuff Monday, I was probably probably had like fourteen or fifteen hours of sleep over the course of four nights. No, it's probably not quite that bad because I did. We did sleep in thursday night so it was probably just um it was probably just about three and a half hours average over three different nights so maybe 10 hours total over three nights but in the moment like friday night and saturday night i was like should i go to bed and i was just like you know what i can sleep anytime this is so much fun and this is a once a year maybe once a lifetime or once a decade experience I like I can't trade a few hours of sleep for, for what I'm getting out of this right now. Like there was this one moment Friday night, I was hanging out with a bunch of people and we were just talking about podcasts and like we were all being kind of critical of all of the shows and stuff that we listened to and people like I was getting feedback on mine and people were like kind of commenting that like a lot of like the tournament recaps were not their favorite episodes and I was explaining kind of like what my goal is for those and what I want to try to get out of them, but I know I haven't reached the level with those that I want to be at. But then we hit a point and we were all just like talking about Lexa and Lexa's show and how much it is just like a fun, different thing. And like nobody had any negative criticism of Lexa. And then I like messaged Lexa and I was like, we're just all sitting here talking about how cool you are. And that's just, that's just stuff. Like when you're talking with people from like five or six different countries, like that just doesn't really happen at an American event. You know, that's why like this the entire vibe is very different. Um, that's also the flip side of us getting there early at the event, having yeah. the time scheduled out, having the events, you know, sort of set up to start early and end early so that we had time to just to chat. Right. Uh, at one point in the evening I just remember we started sharing a bottle of very nice scotch and it just kept going throughout the evening. Oh, you're talking about on Friday? Like Norbert yeah. just kind of showed up and he was like, I wanna bust this open. Alcohol, everyone. Yeah, and, and we just started going for it. Yeah, and the the event location worked out really well for this because there was literally just a bunch of glassware, like right around the corner for us to just grab and like start pouring whiskeys and scotches, and um, it it really worked for that. But I I don't know if I can even accurately put into words how much fun I had Friday night and Saturday night just hanging out with a bunch of people from different countries. Like 
you and I, like, we weren't even around each other that much those two nights. We were constantly with people. And sometimes we would, like, crisscross and, like, absorb into each other's groups. But you and I both hit a mode where we were not around very many Americans. And we were just talking with people from from other countries. Yeah, like, sidebar here is that there's also old War Machine crew who were there for War Machine WGC. Yes, yeah. So there was, like, multiple groups we'd all known for different lengths of time and so like you keep flowing through different conversations and seeing people like oh i haven't seen you in a while like how's it going yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely um and that hit even more sunday night because i think a lot of the mcp people took off and were like yeah. leaving right away it, it seemed like sunday night was like practically dead by comparison which was really sad to me um, cause we were all hanging out that night and, but we ended up mostly hanging out with war machine people. Cause it just seemed like the MCP people were all gone. I think that's the, the flip side of it being the first year is that their expectation was a one and done, like you're just in and out. I know a lot of people came in basically like that Thursday or came in on Friday, exactly just go through and, and get out. Um, which is like, uh, scheduling wise, I understand it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Right? I don't get time off and everything. It's just unfortunate when you know you travel as far as you do to get to Copenhagen and not be able to have an opportunity to visit the town yeah and the town was super cool but like as much as I enjoyed the town literally I cannot explain how fantastic the the Friday night and Saturday night hangouts were in particular and like Thursday at night where all of the Americans basically went out for drinks and stuff was was great and like I don't it's not like I get to hang out with like Sooner and DeLuca and Amon and stuff regularly. And so that was super fun, but there was something really special. And I think part of it was the layout of the event, like helped facilitate it. So it's like, okay, get done in the tournament room, walk out the doors, like 10 feet. And there's a group of people just sitting around a table and you just get absorbed into that group. And that was like a bunch of Finns and it was a bunch of Swedes and like, and it was just super fun conversation that lasted for, I don't know how long and then walk by. And then like, suddenly it's like, there's a bunch of like the English guys and like, you know, like more Swedes because there was a lot of Swedes at the event. Um, and it was just like, every time it felt like I walked 10 feet and you just get absorbed into another super fun nerd conversation, laughter, joking. Um, and there were so many places that served drinks because they were, they were serving alcohol right outside the con hall. There was a bar at reception as well that served your drinks 24 seven. And then there was a 10th floor bar that was right next to our room. <laughs> Yes, like literally so, around the corner. Yeah, literally we had the, the, the room that was closest to the bar, which is funny because we actually spent very, very little time in that bar. But as the weekend as the weekend went on, I realized that there was its own elevator that goes from the lobby by the bar in the lobby to the bar upstairs. And I started using that elevator instead because nobody was ever there. And it was like instant go right down. And then I'm at the, the bar deli and I always was refilling my water bottle with ice. And so I, I walked up to that counter like a gajillion times. Something I had thought about earlier is that part of what made everything so special is that you're having a conversation with someone and then it slowly dawns on you who that person actually is. And you're like, Hey, what's your, your discord hand? You're like, wait a second. We've actually had multiple conversations before. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, there was a lot of it. Like, I met multiple patrons, um, like uh, Rory. Like, yeah, I've seen this name forever, and now I have a face and a personality that I can associate with it. Um, there was a really great moment Friday night. I walked up, and I was snapping a picture. It was it was um, Pat, uh, Huggy, and um, Rich Mid, and there was another guy there who I did not know in the moment. And I was just like, hey, let's get a picture and like, boom, selfie. And then afterwards, I introduced myself to the other person who was there and it was Cookie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And like now I get to meet Cookie, too. Like it was um, it was it was great. But it was just, you know, that's just kind of how things felt the whole time where you're just you're also meeting people that you've discussed lists and stuff with on Discord for you for how long and now you like can associate a name to a face um and a personality and yeah i guess the way i would phrase it is you get to understand someone's vibe overall it was like the hangouts were the best part the second best part was getting to actually meet a few key people from discord like especially um hugo huggy bear cookie um rory um Swedish troll. Um, there's probably a whole list, but there's people that I've like, I've just interacted with online off and on now for years. And like, now I feel like I actually kind of like know the person a little bit. Yes. It is always good one to make friends, which is really what's happening in the process. Right. But two, it's just the wider community that is people you've talked to online and sort of connecting with them on a, you know, more humanistic level. Yeah. And I mean, maybe a big part of our enjoyment is you and I are both extroverts, right? Yeah, I'll talk forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so this this kind of experience where you have a chance to be extroverted with such a wide variety of people is just such a unique situation that it it made me it also made me go like I would really like to try, like, if, like, say the weekender or something was a different time of year, it's made me just want to go to, like, a single MCP event. Like, you know, like the weekender, but it's, like, the weekender is just too close between LBO and um, Adepticon. I mean, there are uh, two of them. Oh, there are two of them? Yeah, there's the early and there's the, okay. the later one. Okay, well, definitely not the early one, but... Yeah. um. I I could absolutely see like say if I wasn't going to do the WTC I would actively really love going over to something where I could have a similar experience that didn't happen to be the WTC but I could just interact with people from you know all over um all over Europe and and such would just be really fun and so that might be a thing that I that I prioritize but uh yeah I mean I my aspect of miniature gaming and stuff that I actually really enjoy is the social aspect. That's the the one difference in playing TTS versus in person is that like you're creating a voice chat and everything, but it's much more, I guess, methodical as you're going through. Cause obviously generally you're not like video chatting with the person at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, talking in person, you, you generally like you, you tend to unless you're like playing on a clock, you tend to have sidebar conversations more and like pause the game, like order a drink or something, sort of talk about chat about life and get to know the person more than you would just like some random FLG right <laughs> off the discord and stuff. Uh, not to say you can't make friends or anything, right? But just it's, it's a different vibe. Oh, I will say on the subject of clocks, um, I came back, right? And I hadn't actually played on clock that much prior to WTC um, just because I'm always examining and we're talking about stuff. Like I don't prioritize practicing clocks, but I just, I use them whenever it's a tournament um, immediately fell into the clock rhythm pretty quick um, was never close to clocking in any of my games. The closest game to clocking was actually the game against um, uh, Ragnarok and, um, and he and I were using just the exact same amount of time. Every time I looked over at the clock, it was like, we both have 15 minutes. Look over again. We both have 10 minutes. Like, it was like, you have 10 minutes, 50 seconds. I have 10 minutes, 30 seconds. It was that close on time throughout the whole thing. And I've never had that happen before. Um, but just playing five games over two days on clock. And then Thursday, I go in and I play a game at the game store. And I was like... I was trying to swat at a clock that wasn't there. All it took was five games. Yeah. And I was so instinctually wanting to switch the clock over. And that really reinforced for me just like how easy it is to get a clock rhythm going. Yes. You just sort of get into the, like the habit of I like like pantomime clicking. Yeah. Like, tapping. I was like, I'm done thinking like Let's go. Yes, I like I'm passing my turn that and there's like you just associate this physical motion of touching the clock to indicate that you have ended your turn. And even though I just have not actually played that many MCP games actually on clock by comparison to how many games I've played, I just found it really interesting how quickly like, yeah, my first game, my opponent reminded me a couple of times that I didn't switch over clock to them, but I wasn't super worried. The clocks were so laxed at WTC. Um, I'm not sure anybody clocked. I don't know if no one clocked, but I mean, they were yeah. an hour each when it's sort of like 45 minutes each. So like, you yeah, relax like, times. Yeah. It would be really hard to clock in this format. Um, but on that note, compared to say like the WTC for war machine 10 years ago, I felt like things were a lot more chill even though you're like meeting people from other countries english second language i felt like things were surprisingly more um more chill and like i didn't have any like the there was one very minor rules dispute that i had during a game and my opponent um was trying to use this as a robbery on a character who didn't have an objective ah uh. And so I was, was just the, like, that's the not the way problem. that that works. Um, but then I was like, but dude, I'm your opponent. If you just want to call a judge over, like, I'm totally fine with that. And he was like, I would feel better if we could just call a judge. And I was like, yeah, cool, cool let's do it. And um, called over judge. And the judge was like, dude, the first line of the card says, target a character with an objective. Um, and he was like, you're totally right. Okay uh solves um and that was like the most judgy thing that came up in a game and i felt like even across things like 
I I remember hearing in a Blair game, right? Like where there was, cause he was next to me and um, he had to remind his opponent, like y- you counted skulls with, with cosmic ghost rider. And now you're picking up an objective. You definitely don't get both. Right. You, you, you get one or the other. And his opponent was immediately like, Oh shit. Okay. Well, let's just assume I didn't kill the character then. And you lived because I, I don't have the token, so I shouldn't have been able to count skulls. So let's give you health back and immediately resolve the situation. And Blair's like, cool. Um, is that, was that kind of your impression? I didn't, I, I don't think I heard any like verbalness from your games. Um, yeah. Did you oh, feel games like are great? Game? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I had no judge calls. Everything was pretty straightforward. It was just, you know, death all over the place. <laughs> just a lot of murder. Yeah. yeah. Like both ways. Yeah. But I don't remember, like even in the hangouts and stuff, I did not ever hear someone complaining about like a really contentious game or anything like that. And we definitely had that in War Machine. Like, uh, yeah, easily. Like there was, even though I wouldn't consider it like worse than normal, but it was like, there was so many stories like, oh, you got to be really careful with this team. They will like try to catch you on anything that they can and um, and stuff like that. And I didn't, I felt like the MCP community was just like really mature about the whole thing. And everybody was coming for, for good games. Yeah. I feel like everyone asked about intent, especially like uh, trying to clarify things like, between language. Like, Hey, like, do you mean, are you trying to do this? They're like, yeah, that like, cool. I right, just make sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then like, I would say in the game of mine that had the most mistakes because it was, I, it was, I think people were getting tired. Um, that opponent comes up to me later and was just like, I'm sorry. He's like, it, and they were just like, I don't feel like I was playing as cleanly as I normally do. And I, I just, I did some silly stuff in our game. It was like, dude, it was totally cool. Like I, I felt it in the moment that it was like, nobody was trying to be malicious. We're just tired. And it was just, it's a lot of mental bandwidth gone. And there was just some innocent mistakes that were made in the moment. And we were totally cool. Like it was not contentious at all. Um, you know, like in the moment, um, you know, there, there was just little things like at one point I'm looking down at the table and there's literally like two range tools in use. I'm like, that, that, that's not something that we do, but it was, it was a really innocent, just like, Oh God, I'm tired. Like, yeah, I can't, of course I can't do that. Like, um, just clean but, yeah, that was, uh, I was just really impressed by that. I was really expecting that there was going to be like some contentious, like, cause we weren't playing on marked mats. And so I was really not really worried, but I had this, like the risk adverse part of my brain um, kind of in the back was kind of like, Oh my God, can you imagine like having a team representing their country get decided on? Is that objective in the right place now? Like, or, you know, you're not contesting. Like, I said I was moving up within range one. <laughs> like, I didn't hear you say that. And, like, like you know, what do you do in that situation? And I was a little worried about that. But it didn't seem like there was anything like that. It just seemed like everybody was cool. Everyone did the social contract and was trying to be good good opponents. And so 
and that's props because I do not think the War Machine WTC did it that well at all. Not even close. Yes. I. Yeah, who cares about their drama? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, well, we, we want to save a little bit for the bonus episode. Um, I will say we're going to do a team episode where we're going to kind of di- dive into the games and the, the team composition and how we did the pairings and such um, for the community. And we're going to try to do that soon, but obviously it's scheduling with three other people. Um, and so I didn't want to try to like force people to do that right as they were getting back. But I think there was some, some really interesting lessons learned. Um, and I certainly have some thoughts on the, on the format in, in retrospect, we're like, I'll, I'll just preface and say, um, I felt like my list had too many, like 55 45s or 45 55s and like, or like 50 fifties. And, and so maybe that was good for the team in the sense that like, Oh, I, you don't have to prioritize who I play against. It doesn't actually matter. You can just, I mean, I was the person controlling the pairing, but it kind of ended up being a thing where it was like, I don't have big swing matchups. I don't have any blowout matchups. So let's prioritize getting the blowout matchups for, for other lists. Um, and so we're going to kind of go into like how that all, that all played out. Um, and it's, uh, I'm excited to like talk about it with the team. Cause I am just really proud of, Amon and Alec and um, Blair because there was a lot of times where people were asking me who was on my team and when I said those three names people were like who and all three of those guys finished top 15% in the whole event and so proud of my boys yeah I'm like and there was a point when I was saying goodbye to Blair um, and I'm going to put him on the spot a little bit I don't know if he listens um, but as he was like leaving and we were like, it's like heading off to like, catch his train and he just kind of thanked me and he was just like, dude, I know it was like, like a leap of faith to include me. And I was like, no, it wasn't. I had no doubt. Like th- there was never a question of whether or not any of these guys were amazing MCP players. Not a, not a question not a question at all. And so it was, and I'm just happy they got to have the, have the experience, but I, I, but I think Blair was also like a little, cause he was going to play foes and there was just a genuine conversation that was like, Blair, what do you feel the most comfortable with? What do you think you will do the best with? And he said, spider foes. And I'm like, I trust you. And very well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that stuff more. Um, Danny, do you want to, do you have anything else you want to get in to the main episode? Um, shout outs, thank yous. Do you want to close out the episode? What do you, what do you want to do? Uh, one person I forgot to mention earlier was Joe Manji. Was being the oh person. yeah, it was, it was yeah. nice to meet Joe. Yeah. Um, that's what, cause I was sitting and talking with them for a while and it took a while before we both realized who we were like, Oh, how's it going? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that was super fun. Um, as um, a closeout, the most OP thing you can do is form a team and travel the world with them and place games. Later, guys.